Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. You know, I've been preaching through 1 Peter, you know, kind of sporadically here and there, and there's great advantages to preaching through uh, um, a scripture because, you know, you're able to follow the flow of thought you're able to get a better understanding of the context of what God is saying through uh, the author that he uh, inspired to write. But if, there's an, if I were to say that there's a dis- disadvantage to going through a book like this, not that there really is, but I'm just kind of making fun of my own preaching, but the disadvantage is you will come across a, a, a passage that you probably would not have preached if you were not actually preaching through uh, the book. I mean, it's not like you come to uh, this passage and you say, oh, I want to preach on that. But you know what? It's in the Bible, and so it's truth. And so it does need to be touched upon and preached. So why am I being so overly dramatic about this passage of Scripture? Well, because the passage... Yeah, some of you read ahead. <laughs> uh <laughs> Because the passage starts by saying, wives, be subject to your own husbands, or other translations, wives, submit to your own husbands. Well, and I, guys, watch out. Don't, no elbows, no winking, or no, you know, any gestures whatsoever. Guys, stand, sit still. Just sit still, and you'll stay out of trouble. Um, you know, you come, to, you come to this passage, and if you just leave it there, Wives, submit to your husbands, and then, you know, kind of walk off, and you miss the context. I mean, you do open up a lot of can of worms there. But, that, you know, there's also the danger that for those who are not married will start tuning you out because, well, you think, I'm not married, I don't have to deal with this. But actually, you know what, this has a lot to do with everybody. There is a principle within this passage that goes beyond marriage and into uh, all of life. And, and what do I mean by that? Because what the passage is reflecting upon are the roles that God has given you in this life, the roles that God has put you in on this earth. God created you as you are. God placed you where he placed you. And within that context, within that environment, you have different roles that you fill. It made me think of, I don't know if you know what an MMORPG is, but it's a massive multiplayer online role-playing game. It's the online version of the role-playing games you used to roll dice, you know, sit at a table, roll dice, you know, Dungeons & Dragons, things like that. But what you do in these role-playing games is you create a character and you choose its role. You choose what you want to do, what it's going to contribute uh, to that particular group. Well, I mean, in real life, we have certain roles and we use those roles to contribute to life and society and, and to the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes, unlike the games, you don't get to choose the roles that you are, are placed in. But God created the order. He has a certain created order. He has placed you in his created order, and he has given you certain roles that you fulfill. Your roles are part of that created order. And we can live out these roles honoring God or dishonoring God. And marriage is an example of roles that we might be in. Because the husband has been given a role. 
the husband has given, been given the role of leadership within the household. And the wife, according to the call here, is to recognize that role of his leadership and thereby submit to that leadership. Those are the roles that have been given by God. This in no way, in any way, demeans either party. It doesn't lessen anyone's value or worth. Because even, even our own passage says that we're equal, we're co-heirs, you know, everyone is, who's in Christ are co-heirs with Christ. But it does speak of that God has this created order and he has given people certain roles within that created order. And if you fight against the role that you are given, or if you fight against the, the way God has set that role up, or the description that God gives, or, or you know what God ha has purposed within that role, if you try and redefine the role that God has given, you end up fighting God himself. God has a created order. He has created certain roles within that order. He has placed you within some of those roles. And to fight against the definition of God's, you know, what God has said for those roles is to fight against God himself. But what we want to do is to live within the context of the roles that we have in life, according to his created order, the way that he, God has ordered things he created everything. He said it was good. He said these roles were good in the way that he created them. We want to follow those roles. We want to follow what God has, how God has described those roles. And that's what we want to do with this passage today. We want to learn to live out the roles where God has placed us. We want to learn to live them out in a way that honors him and follows the way he created things, follow his created order and follows his word and follows his law. So that's what we want to try and do today. Husbands, as much as you are waiting for me to go out there and tell my wife to submit and things like that, well, just chill out. You'll learn about the roles and, and, and things like that. And, and wives, you know, you know, don't have to worry about your husband, you know, doing anything like that. So we want to fulfill the roles that God has given us in every way, shape, or form. And husbands and wives are examples of those roles. And so I want to read verses 1 through 7 of 1 Peter chapter 3. If you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word, as I read this inspired word of God, Peter writes, In the same way, wives, be subject to your own husbands, then even if some are disobedient to the word, they will be won over without a word by the way you live, when they see your, your pure and reverent conduct. Let your beauty not be external, the braiding of hair and wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes, but the inner person of the heart, the lasting beauty of a gentle and tranquil spirit, which is precious in God's sight. For in the same way, the holy women who hoped in God long ago adorned themselves by being subject to their husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, you become her children when you do what is good and have no fear in doing so. Husbands, in the same way, treat your wives with consideration or understanding as the weaker partners and show them honor as fellow heirs of the grace of life. 
In this way, nothing will hinder your prayers. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, may we desire to honor you by the way we live. And by the way, we fulfill the roles that you have placed us in, following the way you have described them in your word as you have created them within your order. And, and that, that we would shine Jesus through those roles. And we ask this in his holy name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So today, we want to answer the question, how can we honor God in the roles that we have been given? How can we honor God in the roles that we have been given? The first lesson that Peter gives us, I believe, is that we submit to God-ordained authorities. We do submit to God-ordained authorities. Now, in the context, if we want to take 1 Peter as a, the context of the whole book, Peter is telling us that you are only here on this earth temporarily. If you are in Christ, you are a pilgrim. This world is not your home. Your home is with God. Your home is with Jesus. And so you're just temporary here. But while you're here on this earth, you have been given new life in Jesus Christ. He has given you new life. You have been born again. And Peter wants to tell us, how do you live out this new life? How do you live this new life. And the passage we read is part of several passages in a row that talk about authorities in our lives and how we are to submit to these authorities that God either ordained or God allows. Peter first talked about governmental institutions. We are to submit to the government because they are or, they're ordained by God to punish the wicked and to reward the good, you know, ideally. Then Peter talked about servants and masters. This was not something that God had set up. It is not the ideal of the earth, but it is a reality of the time. And servants were to serve their masters, whether good or bad, in a way that honored God. Finally, now, it says that in the same way, following the flow of thought, wives are to be subject or submit to their own husbands. This is the created order that God had, had made. God created man. He took Eve from the man, the man was to lead, lovingly, sacrificially lead his wife and his family. And this is the way God had created it. Now, there are some liberal commentaries, theologians out there that will say, well, now Peter was just capitulating to the day and time. He didn't really mean it. That's not how God really wanted it. Well, the only problem is that we find elsewhere in Scripture that, and especially I'm thinking of Paul writing in Ephesians 5 that there's actually theological significance to how God created the order within marriage. Because in Ephesians 5, he tells us that, that marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. And as the husband leads the wife and has authority, I mean, you know, we, we see that as Christ leads the church and has authority. It's a picture. Marriage is a picture of Christ and the church, and again, this in no way cheapens the value of the wife. Again, verse 7, she's called fellow heir of the grace of life, but it gives the roles. Husbands and wives are of equal value. They just have different roles. They have different roles. This is the, the order of things. Ordained by God from the beginning, he defined roles. Now, after the fall, 
all the all obviously all of creation was touched by the fall all of the creation was touched by the curse including men and women fulfilling their roles because god warns that this is part of the curse of sin in in genesis 3:16 he warned that part of the curse is that the woman will want to control the husband but then the husband will try and dominate so so sin brought in this problem where the woman wanted to be the authority but then man, in, in you know, kind of the opposite way, would try and rule with a heavy hand. Would try and use heavy-handed tactics to prevent that. And there would be this wrestling. There would be this jostling, so to speak, of, of, of want, you know, who's, who's going to be in control. You know, it, it brought a, a picture to mind, and I did ask permission to share this story, uh, it, it brought a picture to mind of uh, Trish and my when we went on our honeymoon and we went to Hilton Head Island, uh, South Carolina, and the, the hotel that we were staying at, one night they were giving these dance lessons. And, you know, it's, I, I, I'm never led by God to dance either. Trust me, there's, there's no, no, nothing ordained about me dancing. But, you know, we, want, we, we like to dance, and we, so we wanted to do these dance lessons. But it was funny, the instructors kept saying, because Trish is a natural-born leader. She is a natural-born leader. She is just a natural, go get them kind of person. Well, she would try and do the lead part. And I would try and do the lead part. And there'd be this jostling, and you know, the instructors trying to tell us, no, 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 you do this and this. So there was this jostling back and forth for lead. Now, once I... I started to lead with grace, as much grace as I have for dancing. You know, I would lead by grace and she would follow by grace. It would turn into, I'd say it would be turned into a beautiful thing, but I'm involved. It, but it turned into something, you know, that more like what it is supposed to be. So anyway, I say all that to say that, you know, that, that's kind of the picture of marriage. God has ordained these authorities and, and this leadership. And God has ordained the roles that we have. I mean, if you are a child, you have your parents as an authority. If you are a student, you have teachers as an authority. If you have a job, you have a boss who's an authority. If you are in a church, you have a pastor who is an authority. In the roles that we play, we have an authority most of the time. And if we fight the authority, outside of some biblical reason, there's biblical reasons too, but outside of biblical reasons, if you try and fight the authority, you're fighting God, who is the ultimate authority, who gave that authority to those with the leadership. And that is part of being in the roles that we are in, recognizing does my role include an authority? Who is that authority? How then will I honor God by following that authority? Because God has put that authority in my life. And so part of honoring God with the roles that we have is submitting to God's ordained authorities in our life. But there's a second lesson about the roles that we play that, that Peter puts here. And secondly, he tells us to be considerate of the witness that your life gives. 
Be considerate of the witness that your life gives. So Peter here, verses 1 and 2, he writes that wives submitting to their husbands bears testimony of the new life that they have in Jesus Christ. And here in verses 1 and 2, Peter encourages Christian wives to be very considerate about how they live around their pagan husbands who are disobedient to the word, as Peter describes it, they're disobedient to the word of the gospel, because when the husbands see their pure and reverent conduct, they'll be won over to the faith. The way you live your life within the roles that you are given will either be a good or bad witness to Jesus Christ. The way you fulfill your role will be a witness to the gospel. How is your witness? Now, there are those who wrongly believe that if the authority that is placed over you, the leadership that is placed over you is not Christian, that you are no longer obligated to obey that authority. The problem is that's not biblical. Peter says be subject to the ruling governmental institutions, whether or not it is a Christian-based governmental institution. And trust me, there really is no government that is Christian-based. Peter said servants should obey their masters, whether they're Christian or not. Wives are to be subject to their own husbands, whether they are Christian or not. Now, the only time that the Bible, if you want to call it an out, I'll put that in air quotes, the only time that a Bible gives you an out is if that authority demands that you do something that is unbiblical. If the husband would tell a wife, you need to deny Christ and you need to follow my pagan deities, that would be kind of the context that Peter would be in. But if he were to say, I want you to deny Christ and I want you to follow my pagan deities, they, she could not do it. Because that would deny Christ, that would deny his word, that would go against the higher authority, who is God. However, if the husband leads in a way that is not unbiblical, I mean, that's a weird way to put it, it's not necessarily biblical, but it doesn't go against the Bible. The wife can't say, well, you're not a Christian. What do you know? I don't have to listen to you. That, and you, you do that, you start rebelling against God's order. And that's unbiblical. So Peter is telling us that within the roles that we have while we're on this earth, the way that we conduct ourselves will either confirm or deny the gospel that we teach and preach. We could say one thing, but then our lives say something completely different. And, you know, we say all the wonderful things about the gospel of Jesus Christ, but then we live so unbiblically. There's a disconnect there. Peter says, live your life in a way that will draw your husband to Christ. That will draw people to Christ. If your parents, your, your children, your spouse, your employer, your teacher, whatever if they're an unbeliever and you live in a way that pushes them away from Christ, that's on you. You're in the wrong. But the verse says, if you live in such a way that they see your pure and reverent conduct, that you live in harmony with the authorities that God has placed over you and you do so with the right spirit, I mean, that's a powerful witness and it'll open up their ears and eyes and minds to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Augustine, one of the church fathers, or some people pronounce it Augustine or something like that, but, but he, he gives this illustration in his book, The Confessions, about his, his, his own mom, uh, Monica. Because he, he tells us in, in Confessions 
that when she became of marriageable age, she was bestowed upon a husband who was a pagan and served him as unto the Lord, serving him as unto serving the Lord. And she did all that she could to win him to you. The Confessions is, is Augustine speaking to God. Speaking to him of you by her behavior and manners, whereby you made her beautiful and reverently lovely and admirable to her husband. Finally, when her husband was now at the very end of his earthly life, she won him to you. So what Augustine is saying is it took Monica almost her entire married life, but the way that she lived out her life in her role as wife was such a strong witness of reverence, of humility, of godliness, that she won her husband to the Lord near the end of his life. And this is true for whatever role that we might find ourselves in. We have a chance within the roles that we are placed to live out the gospel, to show the gospel, give, give solid ground to the spoken word when it's proclaimed because, you know, he, he says that, you know, it, that there'll be one over without a word. You, you, in the role, you, you win them over to hear the word. And then they give themselves to Jesus Christ. And so you, you, you win them over by your, your conduct. So when the way that you live your life, be considerate of how your life is being a witness to those around you. And then very closely related to this is the third lesson, which is we ought to emphasize Christ-like character development. That really be, ought to be something that we work on, that we desire. In verse 3, Peter tells the wives not to merely let their beauty be external. He mentions braiding the hair, wearing fancy jewelry, wearing fine clothes, and things like that. Now, let me make it clear, Peter is not saying don't do, you know, don't do those things outright. What he is saying is don't let them be the focus of your time and energy and resources. Don't let them be what you emphasize your entire life about. That was, I mean, it, it's just like today. And, you know, back then, I mean, nothing has changed. As much as things change, they stay the same, as the, the saying goes. It, you know, the there's so much emphasis on types and brands of clothing that you wear, what you wear, and, you know, that's just been the case throughout history. Your clothes, your, your hairstyle, your jewelry were status symbols. And for so many people in Peter's day and even in our day, that is the focus. I need to look like I have this certain status. And that's what my life is about. I want to look like I have a certain status. And Peter says, don't let these things be a waste of your life, of your time, of your, your energy. Don't spend so much time on your external that you completely forget the internal. You forget about your inner character, or he, as he calls it, the inner heart, the inner person. Being a man and woman of integrity. Hey, it don't matter what I'm like on the inside as long as I look good doing it. Peter says, no. Verses 3 and 4, don't let your beauty be external. Let your beauty be found in the inner person of the heart. With the lasting beauty of a gentle and tranquil soul, work on your 
character. Work on the inside because that's what God looks at. You think of what, what God told Samuel when he was, he was sent to anoint the new king and he thought it was all these big, tall, handsome-looking brothers. Oh, it's got to be one of these guys. Can't believe it's not one of these guys. God says, don't be impressed by their appearance or height. God doesn't view things the way people do. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. And so if the Lord looks at the heart, isn't that what we should be working on? The heart. You know, yeah, all, all cultures that have ever existed put some sort of pressure on conforming to an ideal outer beauty. This is what we think is beautiful. And so people work so hard at trying to meet that ideal. You know, it, and it, it could even go beyond just, you know, thinking beauty and, you know, getting all prettied up because it could include, like, I, I, there's pressures to reach a certain status and a certain prestige to be noticed. And, and, and so you might fight and spend all your time and energy and money trying to climb the corporate ladder. You fight to be the best at this and that and every other thing in this sport or whatever. You do, all you worry about is what people think of you on the outside, and so you spend all that time trying to do whatever, and you get this nipped, and you get this, and you get this tucked, and you get this changed, and you get, you do all of that supposed ideal. But then you work for that, and not, you know, some of those things aren't bad in and of themselves. I mean, it's okay to desire to grow in your job. It's okay to desire to excel at sports but when you're so focused on the external and you miss the internal how much of the role you play are you missing because I want you to think about this those who work so hard to have this external prestige or beauty because they spend so much time on the external they miss out they neglect the heart they neglect the inside and their heart and their soul become so perverse and dark, it doesn't really matter what they look like on the outside. Because some of the most beautiful people in the world are some of the ugliest people in the world. Some of the most beautiful people in the world, some of the most prestigious people in the world, some of the highest status people in the world are the ugliest people in the world because they're ugly in here. And if all you care about is the outside and neglect your heart, you're missing out. You're not, you're, you really aren't making yourself beautiful and prestigious, you're making yourself ugly. And so what Peter is trying to encourage is that whatever role you find yourself in, don't merely try and look good on the outside. Use your time to develop your inner character, to become more like Christ, to shine the beauty of Christ. You know, it's interesting, when you read the prophet Isaiah and his description of Jesus, this is, this is, what he, this is how he describes the Messiah that was to come, hundreds of years before he was to come. 
he says that, that there was nothing about his appearance that would attract people to him. He says that the Messiah had no stately form or majesty that might catch people's attention. Isaiah is saying that the Messiah had no special appearance that anyone would want to follow him. There was, he, he's saying that there, there was nothing external about Jesus that would scream Messiah, Lord, God, leader. Jesus looked like normal folk. He wasn't overly handsome, he wasn't ugly, he just normal, he was plain. He looked, according to what Isaiah prophesied, the outside would not be anything special. And yet when Jesus taught, when Jesus loved, when Jesus related to people, when Jesus allowed what was inside of him to come out, people were instantly attracted to him. Jesus was the most beautiful person to walk this earth. Not because of his external, but because of his internal, because of who he was. Jesus is the most beautiful person to have ever walked this earth. No one has ever been as beautiful as Jesus, and no one ever will. And do you know when we are most beautiful? It's when Jesus shines through us. That's when we are most beautiful. So yeah, we can do all the outer stuff. But if you don't work on the internal, if you don't develop the beauty that is within, you don't, if you don't develop Christ's likeness from within, if you don't let the inner beauty shine and grow, you're nowhere near as beautiful as you can be. You are most beautiful when Jesus shines through you. So we, we, we develop that Christ-like character and let Jesus shine through us. Another lesson that Peter gives us about in these roles is, is that we are not to fear the criticism of the world. We are not to fear the criticism of the world. In verse 5, Peter points out that holy women from Israel's history lived within the roles of being a wife, you know, the way that he's describing. He says that these holy women who hope in God long ago adorned, them, adorned themselves by being subject to their husbands. And then in verse 6, he gives Sarah as an example because she, uh, what he says, she obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. Now, before anyone gets overly excited about that verse, the word Lord for that day was a sign of respect. It was a sign of reverence. It was not like a slave calling someone a master or anything like that. It was just a word of respect toward an authority. Now, let me just warn you men, don't go home today and, one, don't lie about me. Two, don't say, well, the preacher said, you've got to call me Lord. No, that is not at all what this means. I mean, if you go home and you tell your wife that, I'll visit you in the hospital. I mean, God bless you. No, it was just a sign of respect. It was a sign of reverence toward uh, uh, authority. But Peter goes on to say that women become children of Sarah when they follow her example, when they do what is good. And he says, when they have no fear of doing so. 
when they do what is good, when they follow her example, and they have no fear of doing so, it literally says, without any fear of intimidation. Don't let people intimidate you into not fulfilling the role. Don't let anyone intimidate you for not following God's created order. Now, when you do follow God's created order, when you do fulfill the way that God describes roles, the world is going to criticize you because you're going against everything that the world stands for. When you allow God and his word to determine how you're going to live, the world is going to call you names. And the world is going to do whatever it can to humiliate you to try and bring you lockstep into its morals and ethics and worldview. Because the world wants to mold you into one of its minions. And Peter is encouraging the ladies, but it's an encouragement to everyone, do not be afraid of the world. Do not be intimidated by the world into falling in line with what the world says. Instead, without fear, follow God, follow God's word, follow God's way, follow God's created order. Now, the modern feminist movement is going to tell you that being a wife or a mother is menial, it's lowbrow, it's beneath women. They're going to try and tell you that it's some sort of enslavement. It takes away from your value, but God tells you differently. God tells you that you are precious, and when you are in those roles, if God has given you those roles, it is a wonderful thing. I find it laughable that so many people say, oh, Christianity, it demeans women. When you see where the Bible has actually had influence, the status of women is elevated and it's glorious because you are a precious child of God. But you know, it's not just in those roles. You might have the role of a teacher and the world tries to force you to, you teach our agenda. But you have a stewardship, you're given, you, you are given this stewardship of these children, so push back against the world. You have a role of a student, and, and you know, the, the university or whatever is demeaning your Christian faith, it's trying to turn you into tiny Marxists or whatever. No, you need to push back. Don't be intimidated by the world. Don't let the world scare you into living the way that they want you to instead of living the way that God wants you to. Don't let the world scare you into redefining the roles. They're not the ones who created the roles. God created the roles. He's the one that sets the rules. We don't have to be scared or intimidated by the world. We are told to fear God, not the world. Fear God, not anybody else. So don't let this world intimidate you into being something that you were not meant to be. Now, very quickly, five. I mean, this is going to be super short. Honor the people that God puts in your life. Honor the people that God puts in your life. In verse 7, Peter finally talks to the husbands, and the ladies are like, well, it's about time, and says that as the authority, they are to treat their wives with consideration, with understanding, knowing how God created them, knowing their role, and, and to honor them as fellow heirs of grace. Husbands are told, in your leadership of the home, you fulfill the second great command, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. You love your spouse as you love yourself. Your spouse is one of your neighbors, right? In the concept of, of Scripture. Love them as you love yourself. 
And we all love ourselves a whole lot, so love, love your wife like that. Because if you don't treat, treat her well, her, your, your prayers will be hindered. You know, according to Isaiah 59 too, you know, when your sin stops his ears up. It creates this barrier. God's not going to listen to you if you're not treating your spouse right, if you're not honoring her. But this is true of any role that's out there. We are called to love our neighbor as ourselves, period. Honor people. Honor, love your neighbor as yourself in your schools. Love your neighbor as yourself in your neighborhoods. Love your neighbor as yourself in your families. Love your neighbor as yourself in your jobs. Love your neighbor as yourself in your families. Love your neighbor as yourself in your churches. Everywhere, love your neighbor. Whatever role you're in, honor the people that God has put in your, in your path. Love them as you love yourself. This is how we honor God. We honor God in the roles that he has placed us in. God has this created order. He has ordained certain things certain ways. He has ordained certain roles. And when everyone is fulfilling their roles in the way that God intends, everything works in harmony. If we decide, you know what, I know better than God. I know better how this role ought to play out. We're going to make a mess of things. Look at what's happening in the world. Everyone's redefining their roles. And everything's falling apart. Because if you go against God's word and you go against God's created order, it leads to chaos. But it, if we fight against God's order, it leads to chaos. It does not bode well for us. You can never fight God and win. Never. God created ways, created things a certain way. He did so because he's God and he knows that the roles that we play, they all interconnect together and everyone fulfills the roles that they are given in the way that he says to fulfill them. Everything works together in harmony. And Satan wants to do everything he can. The world wants to do everything he can. And even the flesh within us wants to do everything he can to try and create disharmony. You don't need to fulfill that role that way. You don't need to listen to that authority. You don't need to, you don't need to do what God says. And then we see the chaos that happens because of it. It's never Never a good thing to go against God's created order. Never a good thing to go against God's word. So instead of rebelling in the role that God has given you, let God use you in that role to be a witness, to glorify him, to do great and mighty things, to, to mold you and shape you in the likeness of Christ as opposed to the shape of the world, the, you know, mold, being molded in the ways of the world. Let, let the beauty of who you are in Christ just shine forth and let it be a wonderful testimony of his goodness and greatness. Christian, maybe you want to come and pray today that you would be glorified, that you would glorify God in the roles that he has for you. If you're married, in your marriage. If you're at school, at school. If you're at a job, at your job. Whatever the roles are that you are in. Ask God that your inner character would reflect Christ so you're a wonderful witness and give him glory and honor. But the most important role that we can play is a child of God and that only happens when you believe in Jesus Christ and if you've never believed in Jesus Christ you're not a child of God and you don't have Christ and you're not able to shine Christ. And there's no one more beautiful than Christ. Why would we not want to shine him? 
And so if you've never given your life to Christ, today is that day. Don't run away from him. You want true beauty? Come to Christ. And you will be made beautiful on the inside. And one day, when we're glorified, we're going to be beautiful all over. Because we'll be with Christ. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.